0: CineBuds is brought to you by Associated Bank and Steinhoffel. CineBuds, CineBuds, two buddies, 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 talking about cinema. Hey, this is CineBuds. I am 88.9's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today we are talking about Quentin Tarantino's new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That your son? No, that's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the new movie from Quentin Tarantino. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad
1: Pitt. Never heard of him.
0: <laughs> you want to give us a rundown of the plot?
1: Essentially, it's about uh, Hollywood in 1969... And there is a uh, nearly aging TV and film star that's kind of Rick Dalton. Rick Dalton is kind of on his way out, it seems. Mm-hmm. Hollywood and is changing. Hollywood's changing, and it's he's trying to find his place in it. And him and his buddy, uh, played by Brad Pitt, who's his stuntman, has been Cliff with Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth. Yeah. That's a great name. Uh, they're together uh, through the whole thing, and it's, a, it's like a little bromance uh, mm-hmm. film for them. Also takes place uh, in the background. There is the looming uh, preparation for the Manson family murders that happened in Hollywood. Uh, There's that. And there's also a uh, nearly insignificant storyline about Sharon Tate and how she starts to become famous and then how she will eventually be involved. Historically, how she was involved in the Manson family murders. And in the film, they have a little different
0: take on it. It is a dense movie. Yeah. That's kind of what Quentin Tarantino is known for. Yeah. Having things that are dense and packed in there. It's also based on a lot of real things. So mm-hmm. you know the, like, dates are counting down. It helps to know a lot of history. It helps to know about Hollywood in this time, although it is not super necessary. Yeah. If you like Quentin Tarantino movies, you will love this movie. What did you think? I don't know that that's,
1: for me, I don't know that that's true. I didn't think it was as stylized as his movies usually are. Okay. Which, I wasn't super into this one. I was I, I was really kind of unaffected by it. No, not unaffected. Unaffected means not affected. I was affected by it, but uh-huh. I was
0: annoyed mostly. Annoyed? Yeah. Okay. I also did not super love it. Yeah. But I feel that I don't love Quentin Tarantino movies as much as other people seem to love them. Yeah. So I wanted to like tamper that because... Of my, I, I kind of like have the own.
1: same thing, but I feel like I went in with lower expectations, but a little bit hopeful because I like a lot of the people involved in the movie. Um, I've, I've said many times, I'm really just exhausted. I'm so done with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> However, you. I've talked to people who love Tarantino movies, and they're like, yeah, it wasn't as Tarantino-y as Other films of his. (laughs) All right. So we both didn't super love it. Yeah, but I will say this seems like one of those movies that (laughs) I don't like Quentin Tarantino, but I was like, I'm going to have to see this anyway. Sure.
0: Yeah. And I felt like it was, Quentin Tarantino has a definite style, has a definite vibe, has a definite kind of thing. And I think that it's like generally good. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy watching his movies. There's, There's not a single movie that he's made that I'm like, that I don't like. I just don't love them. I gotcha. And so this was like another one where I was like, I like that it's old timey Hollywood. I like that there's a lot of actual, you know, factual things that happen. Yeah. Um, I like that there doesn't seem to be a second wasted. There are a lot of great shots. I thought it was fun to watch. I will say
1: there are portions of it. The the Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt main storyline. I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed those actors in those roles. They're very entertaining. And I think if the movie was about that, or even, uh, or it was mostly, but it, it exclusively, that would have been a more interesting exploration of that movie, I think. Also, it's two hours 45 minutes. It could have been an hour 50 minutes oh, easy, yeah. but just my opinion. I do think it's one of those things that you're going to have to see regardless, but uh, and coming up with
0: your own opinion. You will have to see it regardless. It's just, it's yeah. a Quentin Tarantino movie. And I don't, I think that it's fun to see these kind of movies in the theater. For I sure. think that Quentin Tarantino will not make a. You know, ton more movies, and every- apparently he's got one more in the basket.
1: Apparently, we'll see. And but- it's on thirty-five millimeter right now, which is
0: fascinating. It's a rare opportunity to see that. Right. So I think that these are good movies to see in the theater. Stick around, and we will get into all of the goodness and nitty gritty. The uh, nitty gritty. So. 88.9's new podcast series, Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip hop song is now available everywhere: iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in and at radioMilwaukee.org/slash/Backspin. Stream all six episodes now. Support for Cinebudz comes from your membership and associated bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film, offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to Milwaukee film at AssociatedBank.com mke Film, Member FDIC. Support for Cinnabuzz comes from your membership and Steinhoffel's Furniture. Fourth-generation family-owned furniture and mattress retailer serving southeastern Wisconsin since 1934. Steinhoffel's offers leather and upholstery, dining and bedroom furniture, plus fireplaces and mattresses. Online shopping at Steinhoffel's.com. Uh, oh, and we're back. you know chance the rapper released a new album and in the first so- in the first track of the first song he says and we back. we back and I was like, oh, here it is coming back. Do you think he in a really
1: meta way ripped us off?
0: Um, yeah, he I think ripped that- us off ripping him off. Yes yeah, I think, I think right. that that is the case. very influential show. Okay, um, once upon a time in Hollywood, you want to start with the good. Let's start with the good of this movie. Uh, Brad Pitt had a very subtle and cool performance.
1: Is <laughs>
0: wow, that's not a lot of great. I liked, and
1: I genuinely, I genuinely. Here's the thing: I genuinely like Brad Pitt. Yeah, just like he I did. tend to be put off by like giant, super beautiful stars that are just mm-hmm. Hollywood. But he's, I think he, when he does, less than super Hollywood movies, I find him really interesting. Yeah. In his early career he did some really cool stuff. And then in his later career he did some very really serious and interesting stuff. I loved uh the Jesse James movie, which it's a long title I can't remember.
0: Uh The Assassination oh, by Jesse, Jesse James, James by, by the, the coward. coward. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that movie. I, did too. I
1: love it. And he he picks some interesting stuff. He backs some great projects, which I love about him. Sure. And I think he's a genuinely good actor. Sure. Um, I think he's hampered by being role. too handsome. <laughs> his uh, his
0: role was really good. Cliff Booth, yeah. who is the stunt man, to uh, Rick Dalton, who is Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah,
1: um,
0: I I loved. I thought that was a really great dynamic. I did too between he, the two of them. Yeah, he he is definitely second fiddle, and he doesn't really. He doesn't let that get to him. No, because you know? he's, he's more put together than Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. who's the big star. He doesn't have as much to lose. Yeah, You know, Leonardo DiCaprio is this star that came up in the, you know, the westerns of the 50s. Right. And he very much, you know, cared about his image and his trajectory as a Hollywood actor and was aware that he was fading out and really struggled with that in this movie. Ultimately, it's about that struggle. Right. Ultimately, it's about your fame leaving you behind. It's about uh, living in a changing world and trying to compete with that, specifically in Hollywood, yeah. which makes sense that Quentin Tarantino would do this. He's kind of in you know, a self-proclaimed November of his career. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it would make sense that he would make this movie at this time. And I think that that is a pretty good storyline um, about the changing Hollywood guard yeah. and struggling to stick with it, especially for someone who lives and works in Hollywood, which that is happening all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think leo DiCaprio had a fun role. Like he plays this, he's trying to be outwardly, you know, put together and he keeps having these breakdowns of self-confidence and like crying and freaking out. And. I like it when he gets something like this because I think there's a lot of films where he's just he's just squinty and intense, right? And mad
0: or, or frustrated. But this one, he
1: had a, a, a he had a, a bolder role, I
0: thought. My favorite part, uh, my favorite scene in this movie, yeah. was when he is on the set of a western movie. Oh yeah, that's really a good. new western. Movie that there's this like old school director that kind of like still believes in the glory of old. With a great and, hair. He had a great hair. That yeah, director had a great look and uh hires him and he is on set drinking and not really caring or knowing anything. And he talks to this is she 12? Oh, or nine? yeah, yeah, yeah. Does so this like 12 year old girl and she's no, he says, Are you 12? And she goes, I'm eight. I'm eight. Yeah. Yes, and uh, um, and she lets him know how dedicated she is to the craft. Yeah. And he cares so much about being good. And he is like rehearsing his lines and stuff. Um, but also it's just it just shows that he is trying so hard, but also uh still he's, thinks that he can skate by. Yeah, on he's his own distracted town. by
1: booze and yeah and his ego. And she's like this fresh-faced a young kid who's and I loved her too cuz she portrayed that kind of kid actor that freaks me out which is like a kid who speaks <sighs> like an adult. Oh yeah. And uh but she's really good. She's really great. Yeah.
0: And I also I love movies that have acting in them. Yeah. I think that's a really um a really layered performance from an actor to acting be like acting, acting acting like you're acting mm-hmm. is a whole, totally different kind of thing and um it's really it's really fun to watch, yeah. and I think that um, I think that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did a great job of acting like he was acting, of showing what it is to yeah. act, uh, which is fun.
1: I would say if this movie was about them alone, uh-huh. I or if if he adds those other elements and just made it more even. So my biggest problem, and I have several with this movie, sure. is that it has three different storylines. Yep. two of which are just tossed away, or shoehorned in at a couple different points. The bulk of the story is the two guys and their relationship and right. their storyline. You have Sharon Tate, who is I I found it offensive how little they used, um, Margot Robbie. Yeah, her. You have Sharon Tate. You see her like she gets a big break and she's going to see her movie. She, you just once in a while just peek at her. There's a scene where you just. You see her partying, and then they cut back a few minutes later, and it's just this slow, this like slow um, push-in of her laying in bed and snoring. Mm-hmm. And after I mean, at the end of the movie, I was like, why did they show that? What was the point of that? There's so many things in here where I'm like, I'm not sure why that was included. It seems like filler. But Margot Robbie's character, Sharon Tate, barely speaks in this movie. She has maybe six lines total, and it's a throwaway and she's billed as the third lead in this movie uh-huh. and she talks much less has mo- less screen time m- much much less import than a ton of other minor characters in this movie mm-hmm. i found that annoying and then the sharon tate the, so the manson family murders that's another scene you get a glimpse at the beginning and you get a sense oh here's charlie manson and you're so you have this sense that that's going to happen and yeah. famously what happens is uh, sharon tate was murdered uh in the Hollywood Hills, along with a bunch of other people, by the Manson family.
0: Yes, and this it it helps to know that if you had no idea, because it is this, it it has this countdown effect where yeah. it, like it says the the date, which is a great job because you know that something is going to happen. Right. You know that the dates are counting down. If you know that the Manson family murders happened, and yeah. you know. At in that time, then you are anticipating it. If not, you just kind of think that something weird must be happening. I think that you'd put it together if you weren't super familiar with. And it
1: feel in there. uh, This is a. I'm not. I won't spoil anything here. But there is an alternative history in this film. You shouldn't take anything he puts in this film as a fact or a historical thing about because it's definitely his. uh, It's a different version of what happens in the film. So again, so even more so. It was weird to have Margot Robbie in the role where it turns out her character was not that important.
0: Yeah, true.
1: I found that frustrating. The Manson family Movers would have been great to intercut with this this story of these two guys dealing with Hollywood on this sort of surface level, ego level. And then you have this tragedy and this catastrophe about to happen. If it's just those two and they were interwoven more thoroughly, that could have been really cool. But there were like three, two scenes at the beginning or or throughout, I should say, where they kind of say, "Okay, here are the hippies, the Manson family that are going to be involved. And then at the end, they just shoehorn this huge finale Mm -hmm. that really, uh, even though I knew what happened, I wasn't feeling that tension of like, oh, when's it going to happen? What's going to happen? I knew it was going to. Right, but the movie didn't give me enough throughout to be like, oh, yeah, here comes a little more... Sprinkle in
0: a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that sense of doom. I feel that. Yeah. I did... I, 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 I do really like that this... That the movie has a foothold in reality, in history, that it is uh, a historical fiction, in a sense. But it's very, It's not accurate at all. So it's it only kind, it loosely kind of is, based. It is, it is loosely accurate because um like the the having the manson family murders there is like it's this is a story of this old cowboy who's struggling with hippie culture coming up and it 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 was like the hippie culture was on the rise and was taking over roman polanski is you know does rosemary mary's baby and it is la it is the time of the hippie sure and then in real life the manson family murders are the thing that Takes that off that, like, mm. he is so threatened by hippies and hippie culture that, um, in the, in the end, in real life, when the Manson Family murders happen, people kind of turn on the hippies, right? You know, they are no longer it's the, end like, no cool era, it's yeah. the end of that era. It's the end of that era, and so it's kind of a chance for you know him to get back into it, for kind of like reality to reset, yeah. And so I, there, there was that grounding in reality yeah, where this was a scene, shift yeah. in Hollywood. That's because true. of this moment in time. I was just that talking was about. Reflective. Yeah,
1: I was. Just, that's true. The but tone the details. and yeah, the deep. Well, I mean. I would I would call it beyond details, like the facts of th- like a couple of major things in that didn't happen, which is fine. Right, I do an alternative thing, that's fine. Right, but I see what you're saying. Like this is the era and the tone and what was ha- what was happening, but a few of the major incidents in it weren't
0: at, weren't what mm-hmm. happened. They were his version or his and I take. and I did like that. You know, Quentin Tarantino is a big movie buff mm-hmm. and uh, wants to have homages to his you know favorite movies right. and directors and there was and this movie was rife with right. them and it was and it was the perfect setting for him to kind of you know show his love of westerns of spaghetti westerns yeah. of uh hollywood in the mid 80s mm. of all things film so i did I, I did like—you didn't like that?
1: No, I'm saying and schlock. He loves oh, schlock. Oh, and schlock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant that it
0: was Schlock. Oh. No. No.
1: But he loves schlock. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. I like—one it's he. One thing about the title, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and about his ego, this is the biggest problem I think Quentin Tarantino uh, has. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Strap in. His ego has prevented him from making what could be, because he's got an amazing talent, uh-huh. What but what could be perfect or really— unbelievably classic films he's come so close in in his later in his last half of his career i think he's come so close to making films that could be like canon like fantastic and he's just short of it because he won't let anyone edit his movie he he makes them ex- he thinks if it's long it's impressive and epic and he falls short of that by not editing them well this is the, one of the best examples i should say worst uh, best examples but worst films in which the editing is the biggest problem. Like, you can't cut anything because you think everything you make is brilliant, and he keeps throwing stuff in and throwing stuff in, and it's two hours and 45 minutes. There were tracking shots of, like, a car driving for, like, a solid minute and a half, two minutes. I'm like, there's no need for that. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't set a tone.
0: I could see why he does that, though, because even though it is, like, super long, I think one of my issues with tarantino is that there is no space in the film is that it's like it is two hours and 45 minutes but it's like they have a converse two people are having a conversation and within the conversation there are shots you know like Mm -hmm. there are cutaways to all of these things and it's pretty dense so i could see him being like well i don't want to cut this scene where like this this and this happen all within the frame of a minute because that's a lot of work and that he would be cutting out I, I think the movies could deal with, even though they're two hours and 45 minutes, mm-hmm. with having a little breath somewhere, with yeah, like, I mean, with having some space. Definitely
1: could have traded in an entire plot line.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, that's the thing with...
1: Glorious Bastards is a great example. I think that's a great movie, but I also think it's two great movies. <laughs> I think yeah. that could have been an almost perfect movie had he kind of stepped back a little bit and taking some advice from other people Uh, because it's incredibly different. It's a huge shift at one point. And that's what he does in this one to an even worse degree um, where it's just not put together well. Kill Bill, I think, is another example. I think I'm typically on the wrong side of this because most people seem to love Kill Bill. I thought Kill Bill was uh, was excessive, not in the way that he wanted it to be excessive, but like uh, it was too much. And it was the first film that was like, okay, here's the formula I do. I take a genre Mm. that is outdated or people don't remember. I'll bring it back. I insert, I sprinkle some, like, pop culture references. Silly rabbit, tricks over kids. Makes no sense in that context. I hate it. (laughs) When I heard that line, I'm like, oh, I'm done with him. Yeah. There was genuinely a moment where I was like, I think I am now checking out. And then he has some super disturbing moments in there that he treats flippantly for effect, which he's done well in the past. But now he just throws them in. I feel like this is what I do, so I'm going to do it. And now it doesn't have the effect anymore. True. Sure. I find him a very frustrating filmmaker. And he's so aware now that everyone knows he's got a foot fetish. So um. he just splats a foot up on in the foreground probably for a solid like six to seven minutes of this, foo- yeah. this film. And it's a wink to the audience to say, I know you know I'm into this. We don't care. This is not about you. This is about this movie. But... Everything in it is about him. Mm. Um, so
0: yeah, as uh, clearly, I'm I'm annoyed by him. <laughs> I also feel that I don't see what everyone else sees in him. Uh, I, I do. I don't mind someone with an ego, though. You know, like if they I, can manage it and make good work in spite of it. <laughs> true. I I think that it is. He is a fun Hollywood character. Like this. He. His opinion of himself is so high. He wants to make a set number of movies. He has, like, he believes all these things. I think it is a, a bit of fun that he is kind of like a fictional character in real life. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I have to love him. And no. I
1: don't. <laughs> and his fun has faded in the past years where it's become a little bit more problematic. I think people hold on to this brilliant early career he had. And so mm-hmm. they just don't want him that to go away. And so they're kind of holding on to films that have never matched
0: what he did early on. Definitely. Which could be a good segue to... Our top five. Our top five. I feel like it's kind of needless <laughs> at this point because neither of us love this filmmaker. <laughs> That's
1: why it's more interesting to me. For people who don't love him, here's what appealed to us.
0: I think so too, but there is something about him where it's like, it is fun to see a Quentin Tarantino movie in the theater. You know, yeah. like when it flicked through on 35 millimeter and you see directed by Quentin Tarantino, it's fun yeah. to know that this will not exist forever. He's got a,
1: a small canon of work and he claims fingers crossed uh, yeah, no. that he's stopping at 10 and it will be interesting to just be able to review that whole body of work yeah and see them all yeah for sure you think the last one's gonna be like four hours long oh i mean it, it probably yeah. yeah
0: i think that he is <laughs> there will be just, like seven
1: films that he calls his last the, film yeah i think
0: one of the things that i don't love is just i'm is just there's just always violence you know mm. like and in this movie, the violence comes in and it's like, okay, we had to have violence. That's exactly what I thought. It was
1: just like. It's like he forgot to do the thing he's known for. Right. So he and he throws like, it
0: in at the end. It really was just like, I'm Quentin Tarantino and you know that I'm am going to be, you know, needlessly and violent and, yeah. and have that kind of like really schlocky shocking yeah. violence, and I need to have that because that's what the audience is expecting. Right. Here you go. I don't love that. Yeah. I, like, I am not not a fan. I'm not going to the movies because to I need to see, need it, to yeah. see violence. I'm I not don't mind... Tarantino because yeah. I want to see someone die. I don't mind
1: uh, violence, even, like, shocking, like, cartoon, almost cartoonish violence, mm. if it's done... And he's done it well in the past to yes. a good effect. Yeah, This was...
0: This, this was make, violence for the sake of violence.
1: This, yeah, and this would make sense in the context of what happened if again, it had been kind of led up to more and spread out as opposed to just one final like okay, this person. But even though even for him like the a few of the moments in that bit final scene of violence was just like I feel like this is catering to the wrong group, man. Yeah. Yeah. Also okay. last note, they also make fun of Bruce Lee in this movie inaccurately yeah, he, another inaccuracy they painted his character very different than they really what, did. what is tend to believe to, for, of him to be and it uh, turns out Bruce Lee's daughter was really really pissed as she, she should yeah, be it then, was just so
0: weird just like yeah, taking then, a shot at yeah, Bruce Lee It made him out to be an asshole
1: it. who was not effective in what he did when and it was like real life crap yeah
0: not the case yeah that was weird yeah okay top 5 i have no 5th you have no fifth. <laughs> I only like four of his movies. Okay. So you do five. Five right. for me is Hateful Eight. Okay. Hateful Eight was really long. I saw it in like the full theater. I yeah. saw like the full oh, yeah, production. Yeah. Um, I liked the, you know, bottle episode kind of deal. It wasn't bad. I did not see it. That's the only one I haven't seen, so okay. I can't see. Hateful Eight was fun. Okay. My number four, four is yeah. Inglourious Bastards. Okay. My number four was Pulp Fiction. Interesting. Interesting. Number three.
1: Actually, no, it's not that interesting because I think my number three is Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Pulp Fiction was and is still a classic. It changed a lot of stuff by being made. It was fun and crazy and intense. And it came out at the perfect time. And that one made perfect sense to launch him and do like. Totally. Yeah, I get it. Totally. Right time, right movie. Also, I will say, I saw it in Santa Cruz, California. Great. And when he, when John Trolder wears the Banana Slug t-shirt, which mm-hmm. is the Santa Cruz mascot, the place went nuts.
0: Wow. You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> My third, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Yeah, I didn't care for it. Okay. 2 Really <laughs> running
1: through these. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. That's my number two as well. Yeah, Reservoir
0: Dogs so are also dialogue great. rich. Yeah. I feel like that was when I was watching Once Upon a Time. Yeah. I was like, man, remember how great the dialogue was in Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. It's and just that violence, big, long scene. That's perfect for that movie. Right? It was yeah.
1: terrible and messed up, but some of it they didn't show, like cl- cleverly didn't show. You yeah. Just didn't and it was really well done. Really well done. What okay. Some of the best used vi-
0: excessive violence in a movie, I think, ever. Exactly. That's him doing, you know, Tasteful. Yeah, yeah. It was great. With great dialogue. Wonderful movie. Is it my uh, turn? Yeah. My number, number one.
1: one? My number one, controversially, is not directed by him. Okay. It is True Romance, which is written by him, but feels like one of the most Tarantino-y movies. But wonderfully this fantasy that i want is directed by another person so you get his <laughs> script God. and you get all the quirk of his of his work but another person was in control of it and made a hilarious and really cool really really cool film
0: that i still like to this day okay 100 cheating but yeah no it's 50 well, percent cheating okay we'll take it <laughs> um my number one kill bill yeah it's just it was like the first Quentin Tarantino movie I saw. Oh, then that makes sense. Um, yeah. I liked it. It
1: was yeah. fun. Can I tell you a Good funny stuff. story? Yeah. I went to that movie late. I mistook the time, but I thought I was like five minutes late. Yeah. turns out I was an hour and a half late. <laughs> oh, my God. But when I walked in, one of the title cards came up that said chapter one I'm or sure. something because they did them out of order. Mm-hmm. A, or some, something happened where I, was, I came in right at a moment where I thought, oh, I've barely missed anything. And I did not realize that I, <laughs> I was going, this is a little disjointed, but uh, that is hilarious. I still didn't know until I left. I'm like, that was very short for a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's great. Yeah.
0: All right. Quentin Tarantino. We don't love him. But we got to go watch it. But you got to go watch it. <laughs> Literally no option. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> oh,
0: good. I was like, I came in feeling like, oh, I'm just going to be
1: the bad guy the whole time. No. And I've, i it's interesting, because I've been listening, because a lot of people I know
0: have been seeing it, and I've heard a very mixed uh, crowd. Oh, and I've heard, like, nothing but good things, and I really hate when I'm always, like, I will say I'm hearing mostly,
1: brush. I'd say slightly more, I'm hearing people are like, yeah, that was a mess. But then I, but, yeah, I'd say maybe, like, 40% of the people I talked to were like, I liked it. Rarely, mm. I'm not hearing anyone jumping up and down going, oh, so good. But
0: it's been, for me, becoming... Even, almost even split I, uh, we saw it like a week ago yeah oh like just short of a week ago and i honestly have not thought about it <laughs> since. i've had a lot of conversations yeah, saw, about
1: it so i was primed to do the podcast because i keep i it keeps coming up at i work, saw obviously.
0: that albert brooks movie mother yeah, and right. i've been thinking about that nonstop.
1: so you saw a quentin tarantino movie and obviously you thought about uh what's his name is it Albert Brooks, yeah, Albert. I just blanked for a second Been thinking about Albert Brooks for a week <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> go see As movie, you should, guys See the movie Mother <laughs> by Albert Brooks It was fantastic See Lost in America See huh? Defending yeah. Your
1: Life oh Albert God. Brooks is an American treasure If anything you've, in our podcast about Quentin Tarantino If you have any takeaways Go see more Albert Brooks movies
0: That's it <laughs> Love that, alright This is CineBuds. We did our job. We did our job. See, Albert Brooks. (laughs) CineBuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. Our theme song is from Walk His Own Bretoniewski. We get support, uh, handcrafted Sonic Inspiration from the license Those are the fanciest kinds of Sonic Inspirations. Um, Also, we get support from Associated Bank and Steinhoffel's Furniture. Thank you. Also, support from our members from Milwaukee Film, whose mug I'm drinking out of right oh, now. Oh, look at that. And uh, 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, whose studio we're in currently. Whose mug I am miming no, drinking you know, out of right doesn't now. Doesn't drink coffee. What a monster. I know. And um, also, thank you to everyone that's listening. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye.